Welcome to the Fresh Start Church Podcast, where we exist to influence a nation with revival. Here you'll find preached messages from our pastors. We pray that the spirit of revival is imparted to you as you listen. To watch live, check us out on YouTube or visit our website at freshstartaz.com. And to stay connected with us, be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook. I speak to you this morning, this Sunday before Christmas. I'll let you be seated in a moment. I'll read this passage. This Sunday before Christmas, entitled, For This I Have Been Born. For this I have been born. For this I have been born. These are the words of Jesus as he stood before Pilate. He's getting ready to be crucified. So we're talking about Jesus mentioning his birth right before he's getting ready to die. And he says, it was for this that I have been born. John chapter 18, verse 36 through 38. Jesus answered to Pilate. Pilate had the ability to set Jesus free. But he said, Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. Mm. Is not of this world. One thing that I feel for sure that's going to happen this morning if we open our hearts is the Lord is going to break any level of worldliness off of us today. Any level of attraction. If, 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 our, hearts will, if our hearts will surrender, that's going to happen. He said, if my kingdom were of this world, <clears throat> then my servants would be fighting so that I would not be handed over to the Jews because it was the Jews that were crucifying him. But as, as it is, my kingdom is not of this realm. Therefore, Pilate said to him, so you're a king. Jesus answered, you say correctly that I am a king. For this I have been born. And for this I have come into the world to testify to the truth. For this I have been born. For this I have come into the world. This is a huge statement here. This is Jesus telling why he came. To testify to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Let's say that together. Ready? Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. And Pilate said to him, what is truth? Lord, Anoint our hearts to hear this morning. Oh, Holy Spirit, come. Surround all of us in this room this Sunday before Christmas with a spirit of wisdom, a spirit of revelation. Give us understanding and the knowledge of you. May the words in your word come alive in our spirit. Break through every resistance of the enemy, every shroud of religion. Let it be broken through today so that we can hear your voice of truth in our hearts in the name of of Jesus. Amen and amen. You can be seated. Thank you, guys. For this I have been born, Jesus said. For this I have been born to testify to the truth. Everybody say the truth. Our attitude toward truth affects the outcomes in our lives. Our attitude toward truth affects the outcome in our life or of our lives. Just say it one more time for emphasis. I know you're settling in there. Our attitude toward truth, capital T, come on somebody. 
affects the outcomes of our lives. We get ourselves in all kinds of mess because we don't have an ear to hear truth. Come on. Come on, somebody. Jesus said, I was born to testify to the truth. The most dangerous deception of darkness, if I can say it like this, is to manipulate someone to question truth. When I say truth, and I'll break it down many different ways, I'm talking about the Word of God. I'm talking about a person. His name is Jesus Christ, and they are one in the same. The most dangerous deception of the enemy is to manipulate you to twist truth, to compromise truth, to question truth. And I, you know, I don't just take for granted that everyone in the room here today, come on, just agrees with absolutely everything in this word. Come on. I, I, I know many of us do, and we, but some of us, we may be at a point of not understanding everything, but we're ready to receive. But I'm telling you, there is a devil out there, and he's ready to capture your heart to make you question, twist, and compromise truth. But Jesus said, it was for this that I was born. This is so significant. This statement that he made when he was facing his, his death, his crucifixion, he refers to his birth and he says, this is why I was born. And I'll, get, I'll break Pilate down after in a few minutes, but here's the thing. Pilate says, what is truth? And I'm going to say this and repeat it again later. He had truth, capital T, standing in front of him. But because of delusion, because of confusion, because of wrong choices, because of false religion, because of deception, come on. Come on, somebody. He, he could not recognize truth standing before him. There is a devil that has been working since the beginning in the Garden of Eden, and the target has been to make humankind question truth. Having uh, said to Eve, has God really said? But Jesus said, he said, the reason why I came, the reason why what I described to you a few moments ago, I busted out of heaven came down into a little virgin girl, God wrapped in the flesh. Come on, born a human yet all God. The reason why Jesus said that I did that so was so that I could testify to the truth, so I could give evidence, so I could give expression, so I could prove the truth. Come on, somebody. You gotta know the depth of what I'm saying today because there's a devil, he roams around, the Bible says, and he, and he acts like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. How is he going to devour you? He's going to start right up here. Come on. He's going to start right up here. And he's going to start by getting you to question things in the truth. Getting you to question and reason and, 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 and negotiate things in the truth. This is the truth I'm holding in my hand that hopefully you have in your hand today. This is the truth. And Jesus came as the truth and said, I came to testify to give evidence, to prove, and to be an expression of the truth because from the beginning in the Garden of Eden, which was why Jesus came to this earth. Come on, help me, y'all. He, he has The devil has been ca causing humankind to question truth, asking the same question over and over. Has God really said? Does God really mean this? Is this what God is really saying? Y'all need to help me now. You know I'm right. 
Y'all got some messed up family members today that once we're living for God, that once we're living in truth, that once we're living in a passionate relationship, but all of a sudden the devil worked his way in. And I'm going to break it down and show you how he works his way in. It'll be compromised here and compromised there. And pretty soon he's right there in front of you and he's beginning to speak to you. Did God really say that? Does God really mean that? And he'll begin to get you to question. And I'm just telling you, there are all kinds of alternatives that you can go to that will affirm your decision and will affirm what you are believing that is away from the word of God but I came to set the record straight today to say that Jesus came in a manger and went to a cross for one reason to testify to the truth he had Adam and Eve questioning did God really say And they questioned truth and all mankind fell with them. Hear me now. It took a sinless man wrapped in solid truth. I'll say that again because that's really good. It took a sinless man wrapped in solid truth to get us positioned again to hear the voice of truth. This scripture in John 18 is John's only reference to the birth of Jesus Christ. Best that I can see. Each of the gospels take a different approach to Jesus' birth and life as, of course, was inspired by the Holy Spirit because this entire Bible is inspired by the Holy Spirit, which is, by the way, the spirit of truth. What is unique about John and John's writings is, is in, and even makes the scripture that I just shared with you, the thought cohesive, is he begins his gospel by introducing Jesus as the word. Come on. You know, Matthew gives the genealogy. Luke tells the, the whole birth, the, you know, the shepherds, the angels. Come on, somebody. But John begins by introducing Jesus as the word. Somebody shout the word. Somebody shout the word. Now, don't you know that made Satan nervous? Come on. As John begins to write through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in John 1, uh, uh, chapter uh, uh, 1, verse 1 through 5. But let me back up and say this is not going to be on the screen right now. But Psalm 119 says, the sum of your word is truth. I got to say it again. The sum of your word is truth. John 17, 17. Don't try to look for it, PowerPoint. It says, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. I'm taking you somewhere this morning. Revelation chapter 19, verse 13. It says, his name is called the word of God. Y'all aren't with me. His name is called the Word of God. His name is called the Word of God. So I said all of those scriptures to take you to John chapter 1, verse 1 through 5, because John begins his gospel through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit by introducing Jesus not as a baby in a manger, but as the Word of God. Come on. He said, in the beginning was the Word. In the beginning was the truth. And the Word, the truth was with God. And the Word, the truth was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through Him. And apart from Him, nothing came into being that has come into being. Well, that's a mouthful. But my goodness, did you hear what I just read to you? Everything that exists is because of the Word. 
In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. And if you go on down to verse 14, it says, And the word became flesh. And this is, this is how John tells the Christmas story. And word, truth, became flesh because the word of God is truth. And the Bible says your word is truth. And it says that Jesus in Revelation 19, his name is the word of God. So the word, the truth, became flesh. Get it, y'all? The word, the truth, became flesh and dwelt among us. And we saw his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Psalm 119 again. Your word is truth. Say it with me. The sum. You got to say it louder to make religion mad. Come on. The the word of God is all truth. So truth, capital T, wrapped himself in flesh and was born into this earth to testify, to give evidence, to give proof of the truth. Truth testifies to truth. This is how important this statement is that Jesus is making to Pilate. He says, for this reason, I have been born to testify to the truth. So the plan of the enemy is to attack truth. <clears throat> He's not a baby in a manger anymore. Come on. Don't start singing the song. It's a good one. But it was crucial that he came that way. It had to be a sinless human. Come on. God could have taken care of it other ways, but this was God's law. This was God's principle. This was what God has set in motion, and God will not lie. God will not go outside the boundaries of his truth and his principles. So it had to be a sinless human to reclaim the truth that was stolen in the garden because a sinful human gave up truth, so a sinless human had to restore truth so that you and I could have ears to hear the voice of truth so a baby the son of God was conceived with the seed of truth capital S because the Holy Spirit impregnated Mary are you with me you want the Christmas story I'm giving it to you the seed of truth impregnated Mary and caused her to carry a baby, human flesh yet divinity, caused her to carry a baby that was born to die. Are you with me? A baby that was born to die. I'll say it again. It was a baby that was born to die for one reason, to get truth back in the earth again and keep it alive and open our ears again as humanity to hear the voice of truth. This baby was truth. Jesus was truth within. And Jesus Christ overcame in his time on earth, overcame every temptation, every weakness, so that he could triumph in truth. And my friends, this is the hope for mankind that there is an absolute truth in Jesus Christ. You don't understand the importance of that. You will before I get finished, but I'm going to help you. He died, this is uh, to, to conquer truth, to bring truth back to humankind. This is the hope for us that there is an absolute truth.
truth. It is pure. It is perfect. It is unmixed. And this truth, my friend, is not dependent on anything else. This truth is absolute truth in Jesus Christ, the word of God. It doesn't need opinions. It doesn't need a support. It... It doesn't need a website. Come on, somebody. It is the word. He is the word. And to deviate from this, my friends, is error and it is alignment with Satan himself. To deviate from this truth, Jesus Christ, the word of God, not only words on a page, but a person within the pages. To deviate from this is error and is out of alignment with God and in alignment with Satan himself. This, I believe, is the defining factor of the last day remnant. Come on, come on, we've been talking about remnant. A smaller portion of a larger piece. All of those trying to settle back into the larger piece is going to become much more comfortable with them because there's some out there that are deviating from this truth and it sounds a whole lot better than some of the things, come on, that flesh, come on, humankind is reading in these pages. But I believe that believing and holding absolute truth in our hearts is a defining factor of the last day remnant. The strict conviction to uphold and follow truth. The Bible tells us that in the last days, there will be a strong inclination to reject and question and compromise truth. Second Timothy chapter 3. I'm going to do it the old-fashioned way here for a minute. I don't hear any pages flipping out there. It's our fault because we give it to you on the screen. That's why. It's the truth. Come on, bring your Bible anyway. Come on, somebody. I know we got it on our phone, but there's something about carrying this. Come on. You're old school? I guess. Come on. There's a strong inclination for some to reject or to question or compromise truth and even oppose it. Let's say some stuff right here. Y'all ready? In the last days, difficult times will come. For men will be lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Now, after this on the screen, I skip to verse 7, but let me read the rest. For men will be lovers of self, Lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, verse 4, holding to a form of godliness, that's religion, are you with me? That's religion. Although they have denied its power, avoid such men as these. That's the Bible, not me. For among them are those who enter into household and captivate weak women, weighed down with sins, led on by various impulses, 
always learning, that's on your screen, but never able to come to the knowledge of truth. Just as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses, so these men also opposed the truth. Men of depraved mind rejected in regard to the faith. And what I felt the Holy Spirit wanted me to say at this point, and I think I'll weave it back in, and this was put in at the last minute. You saw me writing a note a moment ago. Because I felt in worship, I didn't have this in my notes originally, but I felt in worship to say this at this point. Be careful and watch the small compromises in your life. Because we read some, especially those of y'all who, you know, we come to church a lot and you just, you know, you know, well, at least you come at Christmas and Easter. Come on, somebody. Just enough to get, get something. And uh, so we hear things like this. It's kind of like, oh, well, that doesn't apply to me. Oh, yes, it does, my friend. I don't care who we are. Come on, if we in the pulpit or if we're in the pew, this applies to us. And I felt the Holy Spirit said, please insist on to them to watch the small compromises. Because what I see in this scripture is a, possibly a progression here. A progression. The last days will be difficult. We're in those days right now. For men will be, and it gives all of these, these things. And it says they'll be lovers of themselves, and it goes on down, and it says lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. It gives some other things that I just read to you. Because here's what I believe is that one compromise, one compromise of the truth, I'll say it whether you like it or not, one compromise of the truth gives one little part of your mind because the devil is after your mind today. He gives one little part of your mind a, a, an opportunity to become seared, your conscience to become seared. For you, Are you with me? And so then that one little compromise. So then what happens is, is we begin to justify those small little compromises. And then another compromise leads to another compromise leads to another compromise. And then pretty soon, are y'all with me? And then pretty soon, all of a sudden, it's like, my God. I mean, you, you know, we're close to the Lord. You're not, you know, worshiping. All kinds of hell's breaking loose in your life. And you're wondering what happened. It starts with one compromise. It starts with one compromise. It's that bad. It's that bad. Now, here's the Bible. The Bible says that if we fail, if we sin, I'm paraphrasing, that we have an advocate with the Father, and he, he is Jesus Christ. He is truth, and he will come and meet us as we repent. You see, what has happened, my God, what has happened in the modern church is they've taken repentance out. They tell you you don't have to repent. Don't worry about repenting. You see, what they've done, my friend, is they're leading you on the broad road to hell by telling you that you can live any way that you want to live, make as many compromises as you want to make and not have to repent about it. That is another gospel. That is not truth. That is untruth. You tell everybody you know whether you like what I'm saying, whether you agree with it or not. Whether you go out and mock me or whether you go out and say, you know what that lady says? She said blah, blah, blah. Tell them. Because when you tell them that, that's the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they're not going to hear it in most churches today that you have to repent of the compromises. Every time. And when you don't, it leaves your, your soul, it leaves your mind, your mind is a part of your soul, open to deception. So that's why I said the Holy Spirit said, tell them to watch the small compromises. 
Because pretty soon this word says that in the last days, difficult times will become. And, and for men, and you're like, oh, that's not me. That's not me. Men will be loved. Oh, that's not me. That's not me. It might be, my friend. And I just like to accentuate the lovers of pleasure. I don't want to rain on your parade and tell you you can't have fun. But my friend, if that is what you live for, if that is what consumes your life, and you're talking to an old school, raised in, in Pentecost, whatever. I'm not that old, but I'm old school. If you can easily miss church for those kinds of things, that's a problem. If you can easily miss your time for God, but yet you can go out to a t-ball game and a football game, and you can spend three, four, five hours playing golf, eight hours. You can shop for six hours, but yet we can't, we can't give God hardly 15 minutes or 30 minutes. Come on, somebody. I'm trying to stretch you today. I'm, this is a house of revival. And Jesus, yes, came as a baby in a manger because he loved you, but he also came to testify to the truth and the truth so I'm just going to ride on that one for a moment my friend lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God oh no 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 Pastor Kim oh yes 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 well they won't notice oh we do notice and better than that or worse than that, God does. Oh, no, 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 no. That's not me. Lovers of pleasure rather than, oh, yes, my friend. Check your life right now. The Holy Spirit said, bear down on the small compromises. Bear down on the small compromises. Because we can flit in and flit out a fresh start or any other church in this, in this valley. And not think one thing. There'll be a lot of preachers that won't say one thing about the small compromises, especially on Christmas. Come on. But Jesus said, I was born for this reason. I was born to testify to the truth. He said, well, I'm not going to be down there and all that other, got glitter all over the place up here. I'm not going to be down there at the bottom of that list. You will, my friend, if you don't heed what I'm saying this morning. We've been in ministry 38 years, almost going to be 39, I think. Something like that. I don't remember. It's a long time. We've seen it over and over and over and over and over and over. Hear this preacher this morning. We have seen it over and over and over. And sometimes no matter what we say, stop the small compromises, stop the small compromises, no matter what. It's that world, that's why I say the world is going to be broken off of us today. If we have a heart that will respond to truth. That's a good word. So watch this. And so this is 2 Timothy. And, and so he says, so they're going to be like, there'll be men who oppose truth. They're, they're always learning, but never able, ever able to come to the knowledge of truth. Your conscience has been seared. Your mind is like fried. Because all these compromises, are you with me? 2 Timothy 4, this is Paul's answer to that and other things to Timothy. Preach the word. Preach truth, what I'm doing today. Preach the word. Be ready in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort. Just for the record, I would like to repeat those three words again. Reprove. How many of you reprove your children? 
Yeah, y'all are liars up in this house today. How many of you rebuke your children? Come on. Still liars in the house today. Just because you know that's what I'm doing right now. And exhort. Did you see the two kind of negative to the one positive there? Yet in the body of Christ, we've got it all upside down. It's like, don't give me anything that's negative. Give me all positive. I exhorted you for 15, 20 minutes up here, teaching you how a baby, uh, how, how a God in heaven wrapped himself in flesh and came down so he wanted to be near to you. But now you got to listen to some rebuke and some pupe reproving this morning. Hear what I'm saying? Because God wants us to understand the reason why Jesus came was to bear witness, to testify, to give evidence and proof of the truth. So he tells Timothy, reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction for the time will come when they will not endure sound truth, doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires and will turn away their ears from the the what and will turn aside to myths or to untruths as Billy Graham my daughter and I a year or so ago we went to the Billy Graham museum thing in North Carolina it was amazing 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 a thing and I've talked about this before but it's been a while he says something that was so impactful in one of the exhibits or something uh, that we saw I can't remember now it's been so long but he says this he says my he said if you do not believe the word of God my friend I cannot help you Come on, congregation. That's Billy Graham. That's Billy Graham. If you do not believe the truth, I cannot help you. This is absolute truth. It doesn't need to hang on anything else. It doesn't need anything else to help it. This is absolute truth because it's not just words on a page. It's a person within the book. Come on. He is the word of God. He is truth. And it's a very big part of the Christmas story. We can't overlook uh, hastily the purpose for Jesus' life stated by himself right before his death. For this, I have been born to testify to the truth, the actuality, the true or actual state of the matter. Jesus said, this is what I came to sow up, if you will. Sow up in the earth is I want truth to be resident in this atmosphere. In Jesus Christ, there is nothing fake. There is nothing false. There is nothing misleading. There is nothing uncertain. Jesus is stable. He is the way, the truth, and the life. I said he is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus was the beginning and the culmination of all that has been throughout eternity. And if you seek for truth, my friend, you will ultimately need to seek Jesus Christ because he is the ultimate truth. I already said it. He's the way, the truth, and the life. There are many roads that lead to hell. That's another thing that people won't tell you about. They won't tell you about hell. But there is a hell to shun and a heaven to gain. There are many roads that lead to hell. But there's only one way that leads to truth. And that is truth himself, the way, the truth, the life, the word of God. And he's telling us today that now, 2 Corinthians 6, is the favorable time for salvation. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Now is the time to receive truth. A day will come when those who do not receive truth now, in this day that we are living in, will try to seek him later. But it will be too late. And Jesus said, for 
for this I have been born to testify to truth. So truth wrapped in flesh came to give witness and proof to an evidence to the truth, capital T. So Jesus is saying, you'll not be able to say that truth was not proven and that truth did not come in existence because God himself wrapped himself in flesh to prove and to give evidence of truth, the word of God and God's ways and everything that we see Jesus doing in the gospel bears witness to the truth. Jesus was undoing every lie in the garden that day. He was undoing, he was breaking every chain, every deception of the lie that Satan told. Has God really said? Jesus said, for this I was born to undo what happened in the garden. Jesus telling you this morning, you better seek truth now. Because you'll seek truth later if you don't. When I say later, it's like, man, I just want to live my life. I just want to live. You're not living, my friend. As <laughs> a matter of fact, everyone in this room are dying right now. Hear me. I don't mean to be morbid or depressing. But we're human beings. Come on. How we choose to live and what we do with truth right now affects everything in our lives. Well, there'll come a day when I'll do it. Jesus said, no, no. Because I'll have to look at you and say, mm, you never knew truth. Depart from me. You never knew truth. That's heavy. Yeah, it's heavy. Jesus said, for this, we like the baby in a manger. We like the silent night. That's amazing. You've got a prophet preaching on the day, day, a Sunday before Christmas. Come on, somebody. Our attitude towards truth determines the outcomes of our life. If we don't love truth, we'll resist it, and that means we resist salvation. But if we do love truth, we embrace salvation, and the Bible says we receive the crown of life. The crown of life. 1 John 5, 20, and we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is what? True. And we are in him who is true. In his Son, Jesus Christ, this is the true God and eternal life. 3 John chapter, uh, verse 3, for I was very glad when brethren came and testified what? To your truth. That is how you are walking in what? Truth. I have no greater joy than this to hear of my children walking in, come on somebody, in the truth. Jesus made it possible for every one of us now to walk by and in truth, to acknowledge it, to hate what is false, and to put sin to death in our life. You don't have to sin all the time. You shouldn't sin all the time. It's not okay if you sin. Hear me now. We have an advocate with the Father. You hear me now, but there's a lot of hyper grace and greasy grace going out there, just letting people live and do whatever they want. The Holy Spirit said, watch the small compromises in your life. Watch the small compromises in your life because Jesus, the truth, he said, this is why I was born, so that they could have ears to hear the 
truth. You have ears to hear the truth, not just in the natural, but in the spirit. He has embedded it on each and every one of us that truth is in existence, the actual state of things. It's on the inside of us, every human being. I'll read it to you in just a few moments. But Jesus made it possible so you don't have to sin every time you turn around. What you have to do today is you have to relinquish everything in your life to truth. Hallelujah. Got to acknowledge it. Got to hate what is false. And by doing this, we are in a constant progression to Christ's likeness. Glory to glory. Come on, somebody. If your Christian walk or if your walk of the Lord or whatever is wishy-washy, up and down, in and out, then y'all, you don't have an understanding or you haven't loved or embraced truth. Come on. Because the fear of the Lord, help me now, fear not that I'm afraid, but that I reverence and that I awe God. The fear of the Lord causes me to, st- to value and esteem truth above everything else. Else, Truth is my compass. Truth is what I, is my go-to. Truth is before me. Truth is behind me. Truth is beside me. Truth is here. Truth is, is, is down here. Come on. It's the spirit of truth. It's the word of God as a light. And it is the spirit of God as our guide, John 16, 13. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. Come on, into all truth. For he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, talking about the Holy Spirit, he will speak and he will disclose to you what is to come. Did y'all get that? The spirit of truth. You see, here's the thing. The choice of truth is crucial to your life. And I'll just bring it down a little further. It's it's crucial to your children. Come on, parents. Stop making the small compromises because what seems to be small compromises in your life right now will be big compromises in the life of your children. Oh, you don't know that. Oh, yes, I know that. We can only be saved and sanctified to the degree that we walk in and that we love truth. Truth will speak only truth to us. Come on. If it doesn't line up with this and someone is speaking that to you, then that, my friend, is not truth. Hallelujah. But this word, Jesus, the word of God, shows our deception and our deficit. Without it, we cannot be pure, and without being pure, we cannot see God. Help me, help me, help me. So in a world that swirls with the lies and the deception of the fathers of father of lies himself, Satan, we must be intentional to embrace truth. The word wrapped in flesh to bring evidence and testimony that truth is our hope. For this, Jesus said, I have been born. Can you take a little more this morning? Let me talk to you about something that we talked about. We've talked about it frequently from this pulpit, especially the last year or so. My husband touched on it. Uh, another gospel. Are you with me? Another gospel. There's many out there that are pre- 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 presenting another truth, another gospel. How many know the devil is all about options? Well, I know the word says this, but is there another option? That, my friend, is what he gave Adam and Eve. Come on. Second Corinthians 11, but now I'm afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's clever lies, your, look at this, y'all, your thoughts may be corrupted. Remember, I said, watch out for the small compromises because with every small compromise, there's a little part of this mind and this thought process 
that becomes seared. Preach with me this morning. Come on. And you may lose your single-hearted devotion and pure love for Christ. See, look at this. Compromise. Lose your pure devotion. <sighs> for you seem to gladly tolerate anyone who comes to you preaching a pseudo-Jesus. Not the Jesus we have preached. You have accepted a spirit and a gospel that is false rather than the spirit and the gospel that you once embraced. How tolerant you have become of these imposters. Now let's go back to Pilate. Pilate is standing before truth himself, and he says, what is truth? I'll repeat what I said a few moments ago. This man was standing before truth, capital T, was standing before the word of God, and he didn't recognize it because his life was built on lies, falsity, fantasy. Don't get me started on fantasy. Just check your mind out with that fantasy. Be it a video game, be it pornography, be it whatever. Just check your mind out. Every time you check your mind out, ma'am, every time you check your mind out, sir, with that fantasy that you think is giving you a reprieve, it's taking you deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper into the depths of bondage. <clears throat> what is truth? He didn't recognize it because his life was built on lies and falsity and fantasy. The religious outside were ready to crucify truth because their lives were built on lies and falsity and fantasy. Be careful what you give your thoughts to. Be careful what you let your children give their thoughts to. The devil's made it seem like, oh, they just don't want us to have any fun. Religion is out there. Oh, they just don't want us to, you know, have any fun. Do you want fun or do you want fire and glory? Do you want this realm or do you want that realm? There are parameters and there are boundaries within the word of God for reason. And that reason is to protect us, come on, and to lead us into joy, not happiness. Happy, I want to be happy, whatever that stupid song is. I don't even know who sings it. But it became like this, whatever. You can try to be happy all day long, yet be miserable as hell itself because you have not met truth and you do not know what truth can bring. And that is joy and blessing and peace and comfort. Come on. Yes. So here's the thing. Let me break it down. Oh, good. It's noon. Hallelujah. Just want to make sure I preach through noon. Come on, somebody. I know you were not doubting it at all, but there are some that are here that don't come a lot. They're like, oh, surely she'll be through by noon. Oh, no. Now listen and don't miss this because part Pilate's belief was that truth was relative. He thought Jesus was innocent, but the Jews thought he was guilty. So Pilate believes that truth is relative. I'll break it down. He had his truth. The dude's innocent. They had their truth. Crucify. 
And he said, I'll just wash my hands and I'll go on my way. It's one thing for the world to wash their hands and go on their way. It's quite another thing when the church starts washing its hands and goes on its way. They had their truth. I'll just wash my hands. I'll just go my way. Whatever. I'll just tolerate. Just be tolerant. Oh, don't worry. I'm going there. <clears throat> it's noon. I just want everybody to know it's noon, all right? Just kind of watch. It's noon, okay? But you know what church history tells us is that, that I read is that Pilate committed suicide. Yes, he did. That's what I read. To follow lies leads to death. Come on, somebody. The notion that there is the notion that there is not an absolute truth is alive in our culture today, and it's very, very dangerous. I'm going to speed up. If all truth, I'm quoting here, not my quote. If all truth changes from person to person, situation to situation, there is no firm ground. There is no reference point. There's a valid contradiction for everything. But Jesus had the ultimate answer standing before this delusional leader. He said, you say correctly that I am a king. And for this, I have been born. For this, I have come into the world to testify, to give proof of truth. Truth is standing before you. And everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Jesus came so that truth could be amplified in humankind again. He was absolute truth and his word is an echo of absolute truth. Can I tell you something today? Truth is not public opinion. Come on. The truth has been ingrained in the DNA of creation for over 2,000 years. And the Bible tells us that we have no excuse. When no higher authority is recognized, then anything goes. Everyone is right in their own eyes and restraint is obsolete. The spirit of the Antichrist is an ancient lying spirit and he is all over what I just said to you. He's trying to get a nation to believe that truth is public opinion. Come on. In the United states of america and the nations of the world but the bible says that truth has been ingrained into creation woven within the dna of creation itself is truth when god almighty breathed out his commands of creative power it resonated in the atmosphere and it was seated in the earth and the universe because when god speaks god speaks truth and truth speaks so when god said let there be truth came out of his mouth truth nothing else but truth could come out because that's all he can be is truth so he said let there be and there was light so there is truth in life there is truth in land there is truth in water there is truth in everything that you look at around you today there is truth because he said let there be and when he said let there be the truth that was in him was seated in this earth And anything contrary to that in this earth will be antagonistic against the absolute authority of Jehovah God Almighty. I'll prove it to you in the Bible. Romans 1, in reality, well, there you go. The truth of God is known instinctively. For God has embedded this knowledge inside every human heart. I told you I would show you. Stay with me. Opposition to truth cannot be excused on the basis of ignorance. Are you all good? Because from the creation, visible in creation, of 
the world, the invisible qualities of God's nature have been made visible. Everything that was in God is made visible. He put his stamp on it. He put truth on it, such as his eternal power and transcendence. He has made his wonderful attributes easily perceived. For seeing the visible makes us understand the invisible. So then, this leaves everyone without excuse. There is such a thing called secularism. So to penetrate this embeddedness of truth in us, Satan releases secularism. Secular spirit. It is a damnable doctrine. It has consumed our culture and it has invaded the church. Secular, related to worldly things, has invaded our churches and invaded our thought processes. Are you with me? Which taints truth. And when truth becomes tainted, it is no longer truth. And this is where Satan wants us in the mindset that is postured to believe, has God really said? The Bible says, I'm afraid just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's clever lies, your thoughts may be corrupted. In the book of John, it is significant, stay with me, that Jesus' life began emphasizing truth and ended emphasizing truth. In the book of John, it began emphasizing truth and it ended emphasizing truth. He came as truth, the word. And the last question that was asked of him before death was what is truth? And he said, for this, I have been born. Y'all help me. Come on. With this thought in mind, we cannot ignore the picture that the Holy Spirit gives us in this scripture that truth is the beginning and truth is the ending. Truth holds all the answers. We cannot ignore it. We cannot misrepresent it. We cannot mishandle it. The Bible says he upholds all things by the power of his word or his truth. Many want to focus just on love. God is love. Yes, God is love and that is powerful, but they have gotten it twisted and I'm going to give you a prime example here in just a moment. They've gotten that twisted. They've gotten the love of God twisted. But in the end, my friend, it's going to be, did you believe and did you walk in truth? Because Jesus said, it was for this that I was born. It was this was the reason that I came. And so secularism is a subtle ploy of the enemy to lead astray. I believe many who do not even intend on going in that direction. I believe possibly could have said of Adam and Eve, they were surrounded by perfection. Yet Satan found the imperfection within and release the lie of all lies has God really said listen to this quote of this commentary two of them that I'm going to read for you very quickly listen to this there is truth truth that comes from the outside world and gives meaning to the world the world does not make this truth it doesn't shape or change the truth it is the truth not a truth for me and a different truth for you but the truth for all of us unchanging absolute perfect pure, unmixed, not dependent on anything else. He says, there is a truth outside of my own mind that I don't create, I don't create, I don't control, but I submit to that truth. Come on. He said, today... If you try to claim that there is an absolute truth, you will be very likely considered misguided and immoral and intolerant and prejudiced. Morality today, he says, has been virtually defined in terms of relativism. Are you with me? Relativism is the doctrine that no ideas or beliefs are universally true, but that all are instead relative. That is, their validity depends on the circumstances in which they are applied. Are you still with me in the room? Come on, you better pay attention. Truth, he says, 
is seen is seen today as the root rotten root of bigotry and intolerance and prejudice but relativism on the other hand is seen as the wholesome mother of cultural respect and tolerance and peace in other words he says the biblical message of Christmas in America today not only runs into the obstacle that Christ has been taking out of Christmas but also a deeper problem that truth has been taken out of reality Are you almost done, Pastor Kim? No. We got to get this, folks. He said people are looking for the truth that can give meaning and purpose. He said they're, he said they're not looking for that. He said instead, watch this, people are trying to experience life to the full and call this experience truth for them. Not absolute truth, just truth for them. And the general guideline is you keep your monkey off my back. If it works for you, fine, but don't put it on me end quote. Come on, somebody. Jesus said, for this, I have been born. So Pilate says, what is truth? Let me read another commentator and we'll move on. He said, Pilate didn't want an answer. He didn't wait for an answer. He just said that to justify himself. He went out to the mob, the larger part out there, and he said, Jesus is innocent. But Then he turned him over to them had him flogged and handed over for crucifixion. Pilate apparently went along with the idea that truth is relative. As I already told you a moment ago, he thought Jesus was innocent. They thought he was guilty. It's like, eh, truth, truth. Go ahead, do what you need to do. Come on, somebody. This is in our world today. This is in our culture today. This is in the church in America today. Plato says what is true for you is true for you. What is true for me is true for me. This pagan notion that truth is always personal and relative to self is widespread in our nation and culture. Jesus believed in absolute truth and made it a fundament of life. He prayed to his father for his disciples, John 17, 17. Make them holy in the truth. Your word is truth. John 8, 32. You will know the truth and the truth shall make you free. The truth has become, still quoting, to be known as a predominant public opinion. I'm bearing down on that because if you you're not rooted and grounded in Christ. This is a great message to preach the Sunday before Christmas and Easter. Come on. If you're not rooted and grounded in Christ, you'll be easily swayed. Come on. If you don't know what you believe, if you don't know your doctrine, you'll be easily swayed and you'll go, oh, well, that sounds better than what they're saying. So I'm going to go with that. Help me in the room. Come on. He said the Bible takes a dim view of the mob standards and morality. They are without hope and without God, Ephesians 3 says. They suppress the truth and unrighteousness. They become futile in their thoughts and foolish in their hearts are darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools who exchanged the truth of God for a lie. And Proverbs 3 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your, say it louder, own understanding. Let me go just a bit further. Can you take a bit more? Just because it's popular doesn't make it truth, my friend. My husband did this a few months ago. I think it was this year. It may have been last year. I can't remember when he talked about progressive Christianity, but I want to do it again this morning because it needs to be put out there. And there's some that are afraid to speak out against progressive Christianity. You see, that title in and of itself sounds pretty cool. We just want to be progressive. They're on the way to hell. Help me in the room. 
Hey, I warned you about the noon thing, all right? Are y'all with me? There's something called progressive Christians, and this is a movement that is infiltrating and influencing. Give me a moment to say this. Thank you, whoever that is back there. Where'd it go? Is a movement that is infiltrating and influencing the church. It seeks to reinterpret the Bible, reassess historic doctrines, and redefine core tenets of faith while claiming the title Christian and boasting a high view of the Bible, it is sweeping up many unsuspecting Christians into a false view of who God is and how he saves people. I'm gonna do this fast, but this needs to be said. But it can be very difficult to spot, this says, unless you know some basics. And here are some things that the progressive movement denies. You gotta watch this, listen to this. They deny the atonement, come on y'all. The idea that, would, that God would require blood sacrifice is, con, is considered cosmic child abuse. They deny, deny biblical authority or inspiration. Everything that I am preaching you this morning, they deny. That this Bible is inspired by the Holy Spirit, that is inspired by God. It was written by men and inspired by God. They do not believe that. They view it more like an ancient spiritual travel journal. Come on, somebody. The biblical writers were not necessarily speaking for God, not internally coherent. They are not authoritative for Christians, et cetera, et cetera. They do not believe that there was an original sin, but they would rather opt out for the original blessing and put it in its place. I'm going to hurry, but y'all need to hear this. It's called progressive Christianity. If you've never heard, you Google it, all right? And don't go to a church that teaches this. They deny the idea that we have some sort of sin nature. They often teach that sin isn't what separates us from God, but it's our own shame. In the progressive view, it's often taught that we simply need to just realize that we were never separated in the first place, that we were beloved and accepted by God just as we are. I'm going somewhere this morning. Jesus said, for this I have been born. They deny the deity of Jesus Christ. They believe that, that they, 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 there's some that possibly still believe that, but it's really downplayed. They just, they just follow the, they just believe that they can become divine too, because they really don't believe Jesus was divine. Are you with me? They don't believe in the physical resurrection of Jesus Christ. They don't believe in the virgin birth. Come on, y'all. They don't believe in the Trinity. It implies that somehow God is dependent upon creation and blah, blah, blah. They don't believe in the sinlessness of Jesus Christ. And I could read a lot more examples of this, but you can Google it for yourself. Here are some things that they do not just believe, but you hang with me here. This is a word that is big for progressive Christianity, and it is affirm. You stay, stay with me. It is affirm. Here's some things that they affirm. Not just believe, but they affirm. Because let me tell you, broken people are looking for affirmation. So they're creating it on their own. They affirm LGBTQ, sorry, LGBTQ relationships and marriages, transgenderism and same-sex relationships and marriage. They affirm universalism, the primary view of heaven and hell and the progressive church uh, that no one will be punished in hell and everyone will eventually be saved and restored to the right relationship with God. Well, why wouldn't you want to believe that and live like hell now? Come on. 
They affirm or believe the gospel of social justice and critical theory. I could talk deep on that right now, but understand, God wants social justice. God wants things uh, uh, for us to work in this earth, but we cannot get it twisted today. Are you understanding what I'm saying? I'm not gonna, I'm, I gotta hurry. They believe in plural, pluralism. Say that for me, plural. Religious pluralism is the idea that all roads lead to God. Please don't miss what I'm saying. And that no one religion holds ultimate truth when it comes to God and how he reveals himself to the world. Often, they, they just, every everybody has a seat at a table is their mantra. Everybody has a seat. They believe in pantheonism, pantheon, the all the ism things there, which is the idea, I, I, hang on, this is the last one, that although different religions look are different on the outside, at the core, they all share the same truth. They share the same source and come from the same ultimate or divine reality and can be discovered through mysticism and contemplative practices. There you go, my friend. That's just a reminder today that what I'm up here preaching is very, very, very relative, if you will, to where we are in our culture and in our nation today. But is this a Christmas message? Well, apparently it is because Jesus said, for this I have been born. You see, he didn't want you just to remember a baby in a manger. He wanted you to remember the risen Savior who conquered death, hell, and the grave, and every lie and deceptive lie that goes against the word of God. He came, John said, as the word of God and he left this earth as the word of God and when he comes back, his name is the word of God. Oh, good news, I only have one more page. But I gotta give you this. This is off of, and once again, my husband did this, but it's off their website. Just going to read a couple of sentences. What is progressive Christianity? In keeping with our reformed and reforming identity. If you hear that word, you better run from it. We have embraced a movement that began in 2006 called progressive Christianity. I don't have time today, but we felt it in the spirit. We felt this in the spirit in 2006. Don't have time. We are, not, we are not fundamentalists. We don't believe the Bible is the inerrant or the infallible word of God. We don't agree that creationism should replace the science of evolution in public schools. We don't believe that God hates gays. God doesn't hate gays. God hates the sin. We don't believe, you see, that's a victim talking. I'm just gonna go there. I know we have some 12 o'clockers that have to go for whatever reason, all right? Yeah, I see you. We don't believe that people of other faiths are going to hell. Faith meaning false religions. That it, we don't believe that if they don't convert to Christianity that they're going to go to hell. We don't deny the right of women to choose what happens to their bodies. Now let me take you to the word of God. Let me say this. I got notes everywhere today. What I saw, and I was sharing this with my husband yesterday because I knew he had talked about it before. And I said, what I see in this progressive Christianity is a bunch of victims. It's a bunch of victims. And you remember what I told you here? Well, you probably don't, but I'm gonna say it again. Is that many times victims don't want to be free. They just want attention.
And so what I read in all of this was victim-based beliefs. Affirmation of anything that they deem right is their doctrine. Because it's things that their flesh desires that they feel is being withheld from them. So we're just going to change it. Twisted minds produce twisted truth. Jesus said, for this I have been born. Lucifer made Adam and Eve feel like a victim. He made them feel like they were victims of fraud. Like God was holding out on them and had deceitful purposes. Posing the thought that perhaps God doesn't want you to have this because he knows that you'll be like him. Are y'all with me? And so he convinced them, you're a victim of God's deceitfulness. My God, my God. As I was reading and studying, there is a scripture in Revelation chapter 2, verse 6, where Jesus is talking in Revelation chapter 2, 6 and another verse or so. He's talking to the church at Ephesus and the church of Pergamum. Is that how you say it? Whatever. Pergamum. And he said, I have this against you. And he told him what he had against him. And then he said, but you hate the doctrine and the practices of the Nicolaitans. Nicolaitans, not Nickelodeon, Nicolaitans, all right? And I'm like, that's just stuck out to me. And while they were a very dominating people, Nicholas, I'm, I think that's his name, actually was, the, was the, the birther of this, but he was actually, you'll find him in Acts chapter 6, verse 5 or something. I can't read my writing. He was one of the seven that was chosen. You remember when they said, the 12 said, we can't do all of this. This is being ignored, so we got to appoint seven men. Well, Nicholas, or whatever his name was, was one of them. Nicholas was originally from Antioch, if I remember it correctly. But history says that he had a tolerance for occultism and paganism, that it was okay to live with one foot in the world and the other as a Christian. He was a free thinker. He was liberal. He encouraged compromise. And this is what the doctrine or the practices of the Nicolaitans were in Revelation that Jesus is addressing. Are y'all getting what I'm saying? I told you good news. I only have one more page left when I go up there. And Jesus said, Jesus said this, whatever translation you read, he says, I hate those practices. Pastor Kim didn't say I hate. Jesus said, I hate those practices. What is he saying? I hate the practices where you think you can have one foot in and one foot out. Where you think, ah, this is truth. Ah, that's truth. Ah, we'll just be nice to each other. You remember the t-shirt that says, be kind. They don't want you to just be kind. They, you want, they want you to tolerate their sin. Thank you. And we don't have a, 
We don't have a problem, it seems, negotiating this thing called truth. So I close with this today. Hallelujah. Worship team, come because it makes people feel really good. Stay with me, you need this. All things are upheld by the power of his truth, his word. Jesus said, it was for this that I was born. Everyone pay attention. He said, I came to testify and give it evidence and proof to the truth. So that those who hear, I'm paraphrasing, those who hear my voice will recognize truth. All things are upheld by truth. Psalm 138 says, you have exalted your word, your truth above your name. Please stay with me. The name of someone in Hebrew culture referred to their authority and their reputation. The name of God refers to his authority. The name of Jesus refers to his authority and his reputation. Psalm 138 says, you have made your word even greater than the whole of your reputation. You have made your word, your truth, even greater than the whole of your reputation. God's name is his authority and reputation. So an understanding of this this scripture means that God exalted truth above all other things, which means everything because he's over everything. Everything that is under his authority, even his authority himself. In other words, he exalts his word above his authority and he lives by his own rules. Come on, somebody. Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. God's word is fixed. God's word is immovable. It continues forever. Forever, O Lord, your word is settled. Your word is truth. Number says, God is not a man that he should lie. Isaiah 40 says, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Mark 13, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. God's truth, God's word, God's law is fixed and unchangeable. It is absolute. There is nothing. There is nothing. I shared these things with you today to show you how far our society has gone and how accepting many Christians are today. And I share the area of compromise with you, my friend. The Holy Spirit said, bear down on the small compromises. Bear down on the small compromises. Because if you're not careful, you may find yourself in one of these churches that I just talked about. Because what they will do is they will not preach like I am preaching this morning. The whole counsel of God. They will validate. Come on. They will validate your victim mindset. They will validate. Come on. Look, I want you to be set free of victimization. You hear me. And Jesus is the chain breaker. But I will not affirm, come on, the dysfunction that you want to stay in. I will show you how to get out of it. But these people will make a doctrine so that you can keep living in your victimhood. So that you can keep living in your sin. So that you can keep patting it on the back and saying, no, it's okay. Because this is what I believe. No, my friend, you have left truth. And you have moved into your own arena of affirmation of what your flesh feels comfortable with. Today, God is calling you to hear the voice of truth. Thank you for listening in to the Fresh Start Church podcast, where we exist to influence a nation with revival. You can order Pastor Kim's book, Doorkeepers of Revival, at doorkeepersofrevival.com. And you can listen to Fresh Start Revival Worship on Apple Music, Spotify, or wherever you stream your music. 
Thank you for tuning in. We'll see you next time.